All right. So if you're listening to this, you are listening to one of potentially several podcasts where a bunch of us who uh, collectively represent at least six different podcasts uh, are all just hanging out to talk about Clone Wars. So from Shame Files, you have myself, Ryan Silverstein, Joel Malcolm. Hello, hello. From uh, I Like to Movie Movie, we have Garrett Smith. Hello. From Butter With That, we have Tori Potenza. Hello. And from Based on Nothing, we have Jacob Harrington. Hello. Um, so we are all big Star Wars nerds, and yeah. we all just uh, finished watching the final season of the Clone Wars animated series and needed to talk about it. And since we couldn't do it in person, I figured we might as well record our conversation and share it with people. Yeah. Um, so my own personal Clone Wars experience is that I saw the movie with my brother in 2008 in theaters and i was like well that's it star wars is over for me they're not making them for me anymore this is clearly for like little kids and washed my hands of it and did not look back for many many years uh until it was on netflix and i don't even i think it must have been some article that was like hey clone wars has gotten really good you should watch it um that made me catch back up with it can i interrupt you to ask yeah you said the clone wars movie right yep it, what is the Clone Wars? Like, I'm aware of it, and I think I even saw it. Is it, is it like, just a few episodes cut together, or is it its own distinct thing? I think uh, it's episodes, right? Yeah. Like episodes that were released theatrically. Yeah, they, they had stitched them together as a movie. I think they later, like, it acts as the pilot for the show. So it introduces Ahsoka. Yeah. Um, there's a whole thing with uh, Jabba the Hutt's offspring, Rada the Hutt. There's an awful baby in it. They tried to do the baby thing years before the Mandalorian and it didn't work as well because that baby's not nearly as fun. Uh, that's also where they introduced uh, Truman Capote, AKA Zero the Hut. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so have I seen this if I've just watched the Clone Wars series, but I've seen it like chopped up as episodes? I, th- I think, think so. so. I think so. Okay. Okay. I can go to Wikipedia and, and find out, but I think so. All right. Sorry I interrupted this Clone Wars podcast to ask, what is Clone Wars? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, but, but no, that was, so that was kind of my initial experience was just like, nope, this is no longer for me. This is clearly like for kids and that's fine, but I just don't need to engage with it anymore. I'll continue to like read the like novels and comic books and play the video games and whatever. But like, I was way out on Star Wars and then Clone Wars is what helped bring me back into Star Wars in a big way later when again I re- must have read some article or heard some podcast where people were like hey it's gotten really good and you really should check it out it makes the prequels better uh, and because my life's work since 1999 has been constantly thinking about the prequels and whether they're <laughs> actually good or not I needed to watch it <laughs> in 2000 yeah. I was as burnt out on Star Wars as I've ever been mm-hmm. and I was like I never thought there'd be more of it because I was very dumb and naive. So I completed the movie when it came out. Yeah, I had very little interest in watching The Clone Wars. And if it wasn't for Ryan, I don't think I would have. And I think it took me longer to get into it than it took you. Um, and even now, like there are only like a couple of episodes from the first couple seasons that I truly like really like. And I really didn't start loving the show until I think the last couple of seasons. So... Yeah, I definitely agree that the last couple of seasons have probably been like the most consistently like strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not that good when it starts out. It improves exponentially over its arc and For literally sure. just gets better every season. The writing gets better. Um, yeah. Same with Rebels. The first two seasons of Rebels are fine. And then there's a huge step up in quality in the second two seasons. 
I mean, I'm impressed with the first episode of Clone Wars because the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, it's really cool that the first episode was Yoda stuck with a bunch of these clones and like telling them that they have humanity and like a soul and personalities. And I think that's a thing that is very important as the show goes on. Um, So even though I agree and some of those episodes are like, okay, this is like fine and fun. Like that first episode, every time I think about it, I'm like, man, that's like, you have like the most powerful person in the Jedi order, like telling these people that like they, they have agency and are legitimate. Yeah, for sure. And listening to you talk about it, like I haven't seen the earlier seasons of this show for a really long time. So mm-hmm. I can't even like recall what you're talking about, but it makes me want to go back and, mm. and uh, yeah. re- rewatch it's everything. It's been uh, six years between the sixth season, which I think we started watching it close to the lead up of that mm-hmm. and the current season. So like, it's been at least six years since we watched those early episodes. Mm-hmm. I didn't be honest, like, I, I'm sorry. It's fine. I didn't realize it had been that long. Continue. Yeah. 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 And to be honest, I wasn't really into the clones as you know, like a story um, in the beginning. And I was really only watching it for like Anakin and like things that were tied to the saga, because Mm. for me, like the saga is still like the core, but watching this last season, I'm like, man, like uh, the clones are making me feel stuff now. And I really want to go back and kind of follow their story again. Cause in, in the beginning, I don't think I appreciated it a lot. So yeah, like we actually, Tori and I have had a different experience with it than I think everybody else on the podcast. Mm. Although similar to your story, Jill, which is just like, I've been a lifelong Star Wars fan, but like no matter how many people told me Clone Wars was good, I was like, I am never fucking watching that show. Yep. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. I'm not that into TV in general. Mm-hmm. I've heard that it's like, might be a little more kid friendly and not that there's anything wrong with that. That just means I'm even less likely to be interested in it. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, and then finally, I don't even remember what ultimately convinced you and I to actually start. Me neither. But like Tori and I finally started watching it together just two months ago, three months ago. Yeah. And we watched all of it. So like we have seen all of Clone Wars condensed into like a pretty short, like three month period. So I think like some of those larger arcs, like for the clones, are probably more apparent to us. Yeah, sure. Just because we've seen the whole thing so condensed. You know what I mean? Because um, I can imagine, like, for me, season four is where, like, I-, I was already enjoying it, but season four is where I went from, like, oh, yeah, I'm glad I'm watching this to, like, this has changed how I feel about Star Wars, mm-hmm. like, as a whole, you know? Uh, and season four is when I think it seems like the creators start to get a clearer picture of, like, what the larger, like, themes of the whole show are. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think those first three seasons are kind of made up of like, not there's anything wrong with this, but like very serialized storytelling, very segmented, just kind of we're interested in this for a few episodes, we're interested in this for a couple episodes, with not necessarily an idea of like, there is a larger story that we are actually telling with this show. And I feel like season four is where it very much becomes, this is a show actually about Ahsoka Tano. (laughs) Um, like all of these other people are players in her story, but the show is ultimately a story about her and the clones. And I think this final season makes that very clear that that has been the actual thrust of the entirety of the show. Yeah. And I think it's, 
it's really interesting. I watched a interview with Dave Filoni and George Lucas on the Star Wars YouTube channel that came out, I think last week. Last week, um, yeah. Yeah, talking about Clone Wars and like basically like George's idea was like, what if Anakin had a Padawan? And then mm-hmm. the whole thing does kind of spill out from that. And one of the things that really struck me since we're talking about the clones is that um, one, D. Bradley Baker does the voice of all of the clones. Oh, so yeah. there's like a couple episodes where he's just talking to himself. <laughs> so, he, he deserves some, some sort of like special achievement Emmy award. <laughs> For sure. I mean, do you think that that's how they get away? I mean, the animation gets like progressively better from season to season to season, like markedly mm-hmm. so. I'm always like more impressed. Do you think that's how they pull that off? Like they're saving so much money <laughs> by having one guy do like 90% of the cast? Yeah, because I mean, they talked about that when we were at Celebration last year, that like the Bad Batch arc from this season, they were like, there's an episode where 95% of the dialogue is just him. (laughs) And like, he's just in the booth all day, just doing his thing. And, uh, you know, but he brings, he brings a unique touch to each of the main Mm -hmm. clone characters, which is really impressive. I mean, it's when people, for years, I had people telling me like, oh, you have no idea how much more you'll like the prequels once Mm -hmm. you watch this show. And the big thing they would always say that really confused me, that confused me. I never understood how that could be possible. Now I do. The thing that really confused me is people would would say things like, oh, you'll know who Fives is. And I was always like, no, I won't. They all look and sound the same. I I will never know any of them by name. And now I know at least six of them by name. I could look at them and tell you exactly who they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. The other thing that really struck me that it, it really surprised me when they said it because I just had never thought about it. Uh, but it also seems very obvious is that part of who they think the core audience of Clone Wars is as it went on and as they heard feedback from fans is military families like are absolutely head over heels for the show and really find that sort of like camaraderie and respect mm-hmm. and like family units dealing with conflict and you know Fair uncertainty in. and all that kind of stuff. Which That's I thought was super Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I just did some research about Garrett's question, and from what I can tell, because there is no clear answer, but from what I can tell, uh, you have not seen the Clone Wars movie. It's like its own thing that is not Whoa. part of episodes on Disney+. Plus. We have more uh, Clone Wars to watch. High five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember, like, in your three months of watching it recently, do you remember, like, a baby hut that has to be dealt with? Does that ring a bell at all? There's a brief, like, they show... They show a baby in one of the hut arcs with yeah. like zero escaping prison, I think. Oh, yeah. So that's like a sequel kind of yeah. arc to okay. the, movie. the movie. Yeah. So I don't think you've seen it. There's well, two episodes that take place before the movie and the rest takes place after the movie. I don't know if you guys know this, but like the order the, sh- the, the series is presented in is all over the yeah. place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I ultimately thought was fine. Like, I know that's like a big deal in the fan. Because par- actually, yeah. par- there was a point, like maybe like five years ago, where I was like, maybe I'm gonna fucking watch this thing. And then I literally googled like, I don't know why, but I googled watching it, and there was like immediately so much information about the proper order to watch. Yeah. Class. I was like, no, nope, fuck it, I'm out, I'm out, I'm not doing it. Fuck so this. when we did our watch back when it was on Netflix, we did it in chronological order because I had like gone out and like bought. There's like a book that has like it's an episode guide which has yeah. a bunch of cool stuff in it, but it puts all the episodes in order before it was like on every fandom website. Yeah. And ultimately, I've been spent the last three or four months of my life interacting with people asking me about Clone Wars saying, the order doesn't matter. It's designed yeah, for seven-year-olds to watch when they get home from school. Yeah. You'll be able to follow it. Like, <laughs> you'll figure it yes. out. 
yeah, if you watch the seasons in order, you'll definitely get the big picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. and I also think like this is part of what I mean. We I, I don't we don't have to talk about this a whole whole lot necessarily, but like Clone Wars radically changed how I think about Star Wars, and Hell part yeah. of it is just that like I've known my whole life and have repeated this fact countless times that it is based on old serials, and serials were sort of short form storytelling that would play before movies and, and things like that, and it turns out now that I've seen Clone Wars. Uh, Star Wars makes the most sense as a serial. It's based on serials and makes the most sense as a serial. I like it better when it's 22 minutes long and it doesn't matter if I've seen what came before it or came after it. Like every episode drops me in as if I've never seen another episode. For the most part, they get into like Mm -hmm. sort of longer form storytelling as goes on. But for the most part, totally serialized. Every episode is its own independent thing. Doesn't matter if you've seen the ones before it or after it. That's what Lucas was trying to convey with the movies in the first place. Yeah, yeah, the show achieves it in a way that the movies actually never really did. You know, it, it's so easy and pleasurable to watch. Like it's never a chore. It's never difficult to follow. Yeah. it's it's extremely it's a joy to watch pretty much any time. Like it, it's very very solid entertainment. I yeah. was not recording the whole time. Now I am. So <laughs> sorry for this <laughs> never. <laughs> no worries. Uh, you don't need to see the movie. It it really is just like it, it tells you who Ahsoka is. Right. And then right. the series yeah. does it again. The series is operating under, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, the series just reintroduces you to all those characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Garrett, what you were saying, like, that's almost kind of why I wanted to talk to you guys about it because of how yeah. my view of Star Wars has changed. One, 100% on board for them remaking all the movies in this format. Like, just yes. make, like... <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it's like, a great idea. <laughs> yeah, just make, like, 20 seasons from start from the phantom menace like each you know each movie gets to be like two or three seasons fill in a bunch of stuff in the beginning like i I would totally be down for that and the other thing is that the big problem i used to have with the prequels back even when revenge of the sith was was coming out was i'm i don't buy anakin's turn to the dark side yeah Mm. yeah. Mm. and what i love about Clone Wars is one, it's made Anakin Skywalker one of my favorite Star Wars characters, which therefore makes Darth Vader that much more tragic. And they made the really smart choice of not having Ahsoka really be a part of his turn to the dark side. So we constantly still see him as a hero throughout the series, but it's kind of underlined by our, you know, adult fan knowledge that eventually like things are going to get really bad. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and even our knowledge of like what happens to him during the movies that d- eventually start happening concurrently to the series. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And so we have extra knowledge about like how he's being manipulated and how far down those paths he's already gone, even when he might be turning to Ahsoka in those same moments and actually being a good teacher to her. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. yeah. we see both sides of him kind of acted out simultaneously, which is really, really interesting. And her having like a pretty deep understanding for him, like in the series, there are several times where he, you know, is acting in a way that he shouldn't be and like getting very angry. Um, and you like see her noticing those moments and like taking that in. And then, you know, I guess we're like, it's fine to spoil stuff that oh, happens, yeah, totally. right? Yeah. Um, like when Thanks. Ahsoka eventually leaves the Jedi Order and she says to him basically like, I understand like, that you're you're conflicted with this too. Like she knows that he's having like some issues. She obviously doesn't know how deep they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting just her also like seeing her teacher as like an imperfect person as well. For sure. Before I forget, this I feel bad to say this 
because it insults dear George Lucas, but the prequel movies would maybe look better in Clone Wars season seven animation than they do in their current live action state. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. they would. Yeah. All, all, everything would look so much better. <laughs> he did the best he could with the technology yeah, yeah. available. One of my favorite things about the prequels now is they have grown into the same feeling that I had about the originals as a kid, which was like, oh, these old special effects are so charming. You know? <laughs> I feel like the prequels have taken that on now, which is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I go back and forth between like, I can't believe how bad these look and I can't believe how good these look at the same mm-hmm. time. Because Infinity War ripped off the Battle of Naboo, so everything is very <laughs> down the line. That's, that is extremely true. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, um, the, the other thing is that when you rewatch Revenge of the Sith, yeah, Anakin's character makes so much more sense. He's very, his whole... Worldview is pretty much uh, sh- at, on shaky ground because of Ahsoka and the Jedi. And the other thing is that Ewan McGregor's performance in Revenge of the Sith is that of a shell-shocked, war-weary man, which also makes more sense given what mm. happens yeah. to his, yeah. his scene in Clone Wars. Well, and they, you know, it, I feel like we'll probably talk a lot about like the work they do on Anakin throughout the series and, and how important Ahsoka becomes and stuff. But like, I do think one of the really interesting things about the show is that they do a lot of work with Obi-Wan as well, which I feel yeah. like I don't hear the fandom talk about as much. And I think that's just because uh, McGregor is so good at imbuing his performance with some of these things that it doesn't seem as remarkable that the show gives you some of this. But they do that thing where they give him a love interest as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that by the time you get to episode three, and and one, we're meant to understand this camaraderie that is between him and Anakin that is more fleshed out because of the show. But also, there's this built-in thing it, that you now have to episode three, if you've seen the show, where it's like, Obi-Wan understands better than anybody else in that universe will what he's actually going through with Padme and how it's mm-hmm. affecting him. Um, and Ahsoka then observing both of them has like an understanding of like these sort of um, imperfect masters. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying to Tori at one yeah. point, as we got deeper into like season five and six, that one of the really interesting things is you can trace it all the way back to Qui-Gon Jinn, that all of the problems that the Jedi Council goes through are because of these somewhat radical Jedi masters. And by radical, I just mean like, these Jedi masters that kind of play fast and loose with the the, with the Jedi code. with the yeah. Jedi rules, right? Qui-Gon. That seems to start with Qui Gon, and he mm-hmm. trains Obi Wan. Obi Wan gets a little bit of that fast and looseness from him, and imbues it into Anakin. And Anakin, yeah. you know what I mean? And so it's like it gets passed down this line of Jedi's to the point where like they are more. The thing is, they're more human, and it's good actually. Like you feel like that should be a good thing for these men to be more able to uh, express themselves as like, you know, like thinking, feeling men. But it is the thing that ultimately like undoes this whole order. But you also like meet a Jedi who is like legitimately not good. There's that whole arc with, uh, I forget what his name was. Yes, (laughs) which is fucking fascinating to me. It's like, you know, yeah, horrible, horrible person, but so interesting. Yeah. And he cruel. looks like Dexter Jetster. He's the same species. <laughs> like yeah, it looks like a giant frog. It looks mm-hmm. like our dear friend Dexter, Dexter Jester, who would never yep. hurt anybody. Yeah, he's he's um, Dixter Jixter. He's yeah. such an asshole. <laughs> yeah, but Garrett, like you're saying, Qui-Gon is a deeply flawed Jedi that doesn't follow all the rules. Yoda trained him. The whole arc of the prequels is about Yoda and Mace Windu fucking sitting around talking about all their problems instead of doing anything to solve them. And like, 
it catches up to them. Well, and but, that's, the- but that's what I think is so interesting is that that line is ultimately like they're pushing the Jedi Order to evolve, which eventually it does with yeah. Luke. Luke is the yeah, fulfillment right. of that whole line. Because there's the thing in, because we just watched Revenge of the Sith again, uh, you know, post Clone Wars to like kind of, I'm going to do that. See how sure. it like dovetails and stuff. And there's a scene where, you know, Yoda is talking to Anakin, where Anakin's like being like, oh, well, my friend is having these dreams about this girl that he really loves or whatever. And Yoda's <laughs> like, oh, you have to train yourself to like let go of the things that you are afraid to lose. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, like, <laughs> so like, I'm afraid my wife is going to die. Like, well, just don't have a wife. Right. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have a wife, she can't die. Like, yeah. and you're like, what? 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 A, he's such you're a little like, green asshole. Sometimes you're like maybe a universe where everybody else seems to have a life trajectory of about sixty years shouldn't be overseen by a dude that's been around for nine hundred. Like maybe he doesn't have the greatest yeah. grasp on what the world is to everyone else around him. Yeah, yeah. he probably doesn't understand understand like human romance because it's yeah. like a thirtieth of his lifespan. Yeah. Um, it's but, a fling. Yeah, the Jedi are all the Jedi are like forbid passion and like romance and like all those things. People need those things to be emotionally good people. And right. it, it, uh, it's good. It's not a good game plan. It's like the church or something. Right. I just wish like Anakin watched the relationship between Obi Wan and Satine as like an example. Mm-hmm. And Obi Wan yeah. knew about Padme, mm-hmm. and nobody has a conversation, man. Like Obi Wan doesn't pull him aside and talk to him, or yep. like nothing. And yeah. it's kind of the reason why I don't really like the Jedi very much. Mm-hmm. And Ryan knows this. I don't like them. I think they're hypocrites. I yeah. think that they lack the ability to even help each other. And yeah, you're correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, I don't like them. Not I'm, at I'm all. Very much in agreement with all of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. It's a fascinating George Lucas move to like uh, to you know everybody likes the Jedi and they're so cool and then the prequel trilogy is like a deconstruction of their failure to govern and lead yep. or see so, pure evil in front of them the whole yes. time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But you know, so, they also really lose a lot of points for not catching on to Palpatine. It's incredibly painfully obvious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, corruption. Uh, but that's part of the fun. Yeah, and like, oh god, I forgot I was gonna say I lost my train of thought. Well, you were Jill. You were talking about um, the way that Anakin and Obi Wan actually like watch these relationships play out with each other, but never really talk about them. Right. And, think, and that's really interesting. Like that is the thing that I thought was so interesting when they introduced this love interest for Obi Wan, where it was like, oh, I, I had no idea that he even had like. I knew from the movies that he had an inkling about what was going on with Padme, but that's all they really give you in the movies. That mm-hmm. he's got like, he maybe knows what, you know, he's an observant human being. Right. So right. he like seems to be aware that there's something going on between these two people. But it, you get the impression that he does not know the extent of it. And I really like that the show goes out of its way to show that like, they actually both know the extent to which they were both like heavily involved with and allowed themselves to go down the path of love with these two women. Uh, and, I, and I agree with you, I think that like, uh, but I think it's one of the interesting choices they make in the show to reveal that to us so that we understand that like, actually there's like, a, they know a lot more about this and, and they are able to act as teacher and student more than we think because yeah. they, they both have these parts of them that they're dealing with, but also they're both so caught up in this dogmatic system that they're a part of 
they can't actually talk about those things. Mm. Like they allow themselves to know those things about one another to get the sort of like, thank God someone at least knows and understands this feeling out of it, but they yeah. never actually talk about it. So they can't actually deal with it or do anything good about it, you know? Right. And because they never have the example for that either. It's like, this is what I mean about like Qui-Gon being this sort of like thing that makes it all crumble is not to say that like it was good before Qui-Gon, but in Qui-Gon's attempts to go like, this isn't good. Mm -hmm. And so like, if I just kind of like, if I just personally loosen up and just be a little bit more of like a, like a cool mystic, uh, <laughs> like things will just, uh, you know, everybody will loosen up around me. And it's like, that's not really how that works. You know what I mean? These dogmatic systems uh, need to be actually like dismantled uh, or people are going to literally crumble under the weight mm -hmm. of sort of being told that both things are okay that like we should follow the rules, but also it's okay if like, there's a couple of these rules that we collectively, just the four of us agree to bend without ever talking about them, you know? Right, and it's so like, I just feel like Obi-Wan felt so trapped that he went to Ahsoka at the, like the final hour for her to help, which of course she can't because she's right. preoccupied and, <laughs> and also kind of incapable of helping him too. But like Obi-Wan, I feel is the only person in that moment who, or in this time that could have helped him because he had the in information. He knew exactly what was happening, but just couldn't do it. Because yeah. to your, your point, he felt trapped within. Right, and, and by the time Obi-Wan, I feel like has the realization of like, oh shit, I need to intervene here and like do something. Anakin is so in the clutches of Palpatine and being so manipulated by him in terms of like his worldview and you know telling him exactly what he wants to hear in terms of mm -hmm. like you know and even the, the whole thing that happens in Revenge of the Sith where he gets appointed to the council but they do not grant him the rank of master like it's all feeding into Palpatine's like gaslighting of Anakin and I feel like that's the one like as much as Obi-Wan can perceive what he's happening with um uh Dean. With, yeah right? Hmm? his Mandalorian lover and lady uh, Satine yeah uh, you know like as much as he can see what's happening between Anakin and Padme he's still powerless to actually you know do anything about it mm. when you watch the movie you always assume or I always assume for Revenge of the Sith that Obi-Wan is dogmatically following all those rules and would never like have a romance that violates right. the childhood and when you watch the show it's like oh of course this all makes sense that of course he's not like the perfect teacher yeah yeah because he didn't have a perfect teacher himself. Like, it's very interesting that we can kind of, like, trace that stuff back, like, through generations of these Jedi. As, right. as, as seemingly, you know, I think that, again, this is, like, a thing that happens with these, like, extremely rigid systems, which is, like, eventually they crumble under the weight of their own rigidity. Because, like, people just can't, they're, they're like, I keep saying people. This, this is obviously a universe where there are more things than people. But, like, uh, uh, living, thinking, feeling beings cannot be contained by by systems like that right yeah. like we, we are all too too fallible to to uh, uh be contained by so like systems like that are destined to eventually caught like anakin is the um like as much as they the the whole thing is about this prophesized uh person that's going to bring order or balance or or whatever like it, it, anakin is the fulfillment of the prophecy in as much as no matter what you do with a system like this, it's going to cause someone like Anakin to happen. Like yeah. that is going to happen as the result of a system right. like this, no matter what. It's like uh, The Wire. 
Clone Wars is like fire. <laughs> well, and like Jill, to your point too, of just not liking the Jedi, I think that was like a hard thing as I was like watching to grapple with because, you know, I'm watching this like very strong Padawan being trained throughout the series. And so I'm like, oh, I do like Jedi and I like a lot of the female ones. And then that system totally fails her in like the worst possible way and she's left abandoned and the only person that's there for her is like an ex-sith in training yeah. uh, in ventress <laughs> and you're just like no she's like too good for the jedi order like she's yeah. way better than all of this stuff yeah that so yeah. good and and the the jedi not helping her more hurts like stings so bad and it makes me so angry when i watched it for the first time mm-hmm. like me dislike Mace Windu and, and realize that he's just like a like a shitty politician or something. Yeah, that arc, that arc is the best of the series, I think. Yeah, I just feel like the Jedi don't know like the difference between coddling students and helping them. So I feel like, well, we don't want to make this easy for you or coddle you in any way. So just figure it out. Like, we're sorry, we made yeah. a mistake. Get over it. Like, mm-hmm. boo hoo. Like, you're not in jail. You're not dead you're fine and you will be fine. So come and join us again. No, like, no, fuck you. There's one, there's one Jedi, uh, Quinlan Voss who like full on turns to the dark. This is from like legends novels or some shit. He like full on turns to the dark side and then they just like let him back in. They're like, Oh, look, we get it. Like, just don't do it again. Yeah. There is a, <laughs> um, a canon novel that is based on unproduced Clone Wars episode called dark disciple by Chris yeah, Bolden, with it's him and Asajj Ventress teaming up. Yeah, they, uh, they, they go to because they he goes undercover to kill Count Dooku and falls in love with the Sash Ventures. Yeah, <laughs> happens uh, to the best of us. The novel, the novel's really fun, but I I feel like Jill, like I feel like you especially, Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order permanently solidified her as your favorite Star Wars character. Yes, all she is yep. my one favorite Star Wars character. Yeah, yeah, all of my favorite characters in Star Wars are like lone wolf characters, like Maul. I absolutely love, and this show definitely helped with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Ahsoka, Ben, Ventress, like all of them. Like I just, yeah. I, I don't like people. Like I like people who are loyal to themselves and like individual people but people who aren't loyal to an in institution of any kind mm-hmm. very much in that uh, chaotic good chaotic evil chaotic neutral yeah D&D yeah. yeah for sure <laughs> this when is I why got- like gray jedi order is so fascinating yes yeah doesn't like that apparently who doesn't like say that again, lucasfilm like like very they, all the fans love the idea of a great jedi and lucasfilm has none of that in their stories. <laughs> yeah. Well, because who made the argument? Um, the actor who voices Kanan. It was um, Freddie Prinze Jr. Yeah. Yeah, Prince Jr. Star Wars had, expert, Freddie Prinze Jr. He yep. said that Star Wars is about good and evil. There's no middle middle ground. Right. And I disagree I so disagree. strongly. But he also makes his case really well. That's a he does. He does. He really does, and I think, and I respect people who believe that, but I think that the most interesting characters are the ones that fall in the middle. Well, I think it's kind of a semantic argument, too, because 
again, I, what I love, especially in this last arc, is the mirror of Ahsoka, someone who was basically kicked out of the Jedi Order, and Maul, who was kicked out of the, was not able to rejoin the Sith when he got the bot, a bot, new bottom half of his body. Um, <laughs> it was kicked into and like, he got rid of those spider legs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what a mistake. Um, I love the those spider legs. But like, I think... Their orders failed them. Um, but I think what's cool about that is like Ahsoka is good, Maul is evil, but they're operating in, in that gray space, not from a moral perspective, but from an alignment mm. perspective. Yep. And like Maul thinks he's doing, you know, he's acting in his own self-interest, or maybe he thinks he's doing it for the good of the galaxy. And Ahsoka is kind of doing the same thing where they're both trying to find a way to survive and do the things that they think need to be do, done. Mm. And I feel like they both kind of represent that as close to a gray Jedi as we're going to get, I think, an official Lucasfilm, but that's not a bad place to be. For sure. The episode, the second episode of the arc, I can't remember what, it, of the final arc, I can't remember what it was called off the top of my head. It might just be the Siege of Mandalore, maybe. But the one where Ahsoka and Maul fight, their whole mm-hmm. conversation fight is so incredible because, yeah, they're both just lone wolves whose, like, organizations and orders failed them. And Maul is trying to do something good. He wants to kill Anakin so Palpatine can't use him, which is like his pretty brutal version of good or justice or whatever. Mm-hmm. Selfishly wants to kill Obi-Wan for petty revenge. But <laughs> the whole thing about him wanting to like take Anakin off the board is uh, a plot a plot flourish that I never would have thought of or seen coming. It's really, really interesting. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I kind of think like... Um... I love that that Freddie Prince Jr. rant. Uh, I think it's like very funny, and I, I think there is an accuracy to what he's saying to some extent. Um, as far as why is everybody arguing about this thing that's literally about like guys fighting with laser swords is like right. kind of I think what he is like ultimately saying, and that I kind of agree with. But um, th- I do think that the show, the prequels, had already, in my opinion, made this pretty explicit. But I think for the most part, like we as a fandom just disliked those movies enough that we didn't think about them critically enough at the time this show then makes it very explicitly clear that like the gray areas of this universe are what this universe is like actually about and has been all along i think like as much as that first movie established this very swashbuckling old school like good versus evil thing when you just look at every single other thing that's been made with the star wars name on it and the fact that Lucas's name has been on all of those too, not just that first good versus evil thing. I think that gray area is like pretty explicitly what this universe is really about. Or, or if we want to look at it another way, you could say that like the young man that made Star Wars eventually grew into a man that was like, that's not how the world or the universe looks or works. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I am going to make sure that's explicitly clear in my universe as well. Yeah. That like yeah, this, yeah. Is, this dichotomy is not actually how anything operates. You can definitely tell that George Lucas gets more cynical as his career. (laughs) Well, even the introduction of the separatists, like the actual separatists, like citizens in the universe blew my mind because it was like, well, of course the separatists aren't these five generals that are battling (laughs) all the time. Like there are actual people very similar to the people living in the Republic who just see the Republic as like something, a broken system, which fair, uh, and want something different and are looking to these generals the same way that they're, they're looking at the Jedi in a different way. And that fucking blew my mind when we watched that shit. I remember like the first episode that they introduced the idea of separatists that were not just like yeah. military men. 
we immediately I was like, who the fuck would listen to Count Dooku? Like, what idiot on what planet is like, fucking Count Dooku's my guy. That's who I'm going with in this war. But then it's like you watch literally five more minutes and you're like, oh, I live in this world. I, yeah, yeah. Count Dooku is my president. Like, I, right, yeah. there are obviously people that would go for this because it is an alternative to something that is clearly not working. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's right. Like, it doesn't matter that it is also goofy and fucked up and stupid as shit. Like, it... it it's an alternative to something that's clearly not working. So of course there are people that are interested in that. Right. And I like how Go ahead, Ryan. Oh, uh, I was gonna say, I like how over the course of the Clone Wars series, you see many different kinds of separatists with mm-hmm. very different goals or very different at least motivations for why they're a part of it. And then again, watching Revenge of the Sith, like a lo- like there's an exchange between Padme and Anakin where she's like, do you ever think we're on the wrong side of this war? Yeah. And he's like, you're talking like a separatist. And she's like, I know, right? And, <laughs> um, like, and like Anakin having this series actually gives that meaning. Yes, like it doesn't yeah. just make it a throwaway line. The separatists were right. That's what I was going to say. The cherry on top of it is that the separatists were right the entire time. The government was insanely, inherently corrupt and turned against everybody. Right. So the separatists, everybody should have been on their side. Yeah. Well, exa- in, I mean, in that scene, uh, Anakin basically accuses Padme of treason. It's fucking crazy. He goes from zero to ten so fast. He's just like, "How could you say that?" <laughs> it, but it, it is interesting though because I think one of the things that like I brushed up against a little bit. I think we both did as the series was going on, but I got over eventually as I got deeper into it. Is like we do always have this knowledge though that Palpatine has organized all of this mm-hmm. and everybody is a pawn on this chessboard. So that when you get to think, when you say things, Jacob, like, well, the separatists were right all along. So, of course, we should, it's like, sort of, except yeah, that also, we know that they're just pawns on this big fucking chessboard. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like. <laughs> no one's right because the galaxy is rotten to the core by, and ruled by an evil, <laughs> immortal being, basically. Yeah, exactly. There's this <laughs> evil, immortal wizard that is orchestrating he's, everything. He's and really pup- corrupt and everything. I know. And that puppet master thing can be frustrating, I think. Like, in general, it's like the one, it, it feels like a deus ex machina a lot of times, right? And so it becomes frustrating, I think, to some extent. But it then also becomes ridiculously entertaining how the writers of these things have to constantly find a way to... That's one of my favorite parts of Star Wars. To, like, create stakes within that yeah. and then twist them all back around to go, but also this one fucking old idiot, like, <laughs> orchestrated all of this. I love when they have to reverse engineer stuff to make it make sense. Like, the ending of yeah. Rogue One, Scarif, how is a... How are like 30 rebels able to overtake this huge military installation? Well, it's a beach planet and everybody there is lazy. <laughs> All the officers are like, I got a sweet assignment on Scarif. It's going to be a smooth, smooth sailing from here. Yeah, I love that so much. There's so much of that in Star Wars. Well, and, and even like, you know, again, in Revenge of the Sith, when like Anakin... Uh, fights Count Dooku at the beginning and he's like my powers have doubled since we last met they go the entire Clone Wars series without Anakin and Dooku interacting to make yeah. sure that it's from the previous duel yeah. at the end of Attack of the Clones he never yeah. meets Grievous either which is crazy because it right. feels like it would have happened a whole bunch Yeah, uh, but I think again like it, it's that those are both I think all these are really good examples of giving constraints forces creativity and i think they found a lot of fun in doing that i also love all of the other characters that they introduced like the uh spidery general guy that shows oh, up at the beginning and then trench. i love trench trench yeah. rules <laughs> the one guy i don't like is the police inspector character he's horrible <laughs> the, he's Wait, like who? the private detective guy you know what i'm talking about 
He's like a tiny the cute guy that, that like solves cases in Clone Wars. Oh yeah, yeah. he's in like, like three or four episodes. Yeah, he's in a droid arc, I think. Yeah, he's real. All the droid, all the droid arcs are like just a little strange. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, the, the droid one where they're on that like planet that is nothing is yes. yeah. I don't really enjoy that episode. And there's an, there's another episode with like a droid mercenary squad led by like a very tiny man. Do you guys remember that? Mm-hmm. Like a tiny alien creature. Yeah. yeah. I like it. It's just like, yeah, some episodes are better than others. Yeah, you know, I was actually surprised, and I, I do, I hope, I don't want to like jump to it too soon, but I hope we talk about the finale in some detail. Sure. I, was surpri- I was both surprised and delighted that they felt the need to include a droid storyline within the finale, since so much of the show is comprised of these like droid yeah. storylines. I'm glad th- they put one in, and I also think they did a good job with it where I wasn't like frustrated or annoyed by the uh, droid storyline in the finale, but I was surprised that they went for like such a serious tone for the finale and were like, yeah, but also these fucking droids are coming along for the ride. Woo-hoo! Yeah, I what loved it. I George Lucas would have loved it too. Everybody's yeah. like, how did Ahsoka survive Order 66? It's like she found three astromech droids. <laughs> but what yeah. I like is the droids are basically also the enemy of the show. Like she spent... Yeah. Like three years of her life constantly tr- almost being killed by droids mm. and yeah. they are, end up being you know the key to help her survive at the end which is yeah. it's just a it's a nice touch on both like you said Garrett in terms of reflecting how much of Clone Wars spends time on telling droid stories for some reason yeah. and then also kind of like the dramatic irony uh, yes. underneath it <laughs> so much dramatic irony in Star Wars. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, did you guys want to talk about Maul more before we get into the finale specifically, or we can use that to jump into the uh, finale stuff? Yeah, I, I'm okay with that. Like, uh-huh. I, I, I honestly, I don't know how much I have to say about Maul that is necessarily outside of finale talk because okay. I I like Maul in the show a lot. Um, but he he honestly is like watching it also condensed. He's not in that much of it. Yeah. No. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, he, he only pops up a couple of times, really. They're all significant, but yeah. Um, I, I was actually surprised, but then like really delighted that the finale focused on him as much as it did, because I did. I I had already started thinking of the show as a Soka show. It didn't occur to me until the finale that it is also Maul's show. That he is sort of the uh, what do you want to call it? Like uh, he's the counterbalance to Ahsoka Tano in the mm-hmm. show, right? Um, if Ahsoka Tano is the ultimate hero of the Clone Wars series, then Maul is kind of the ultimate bad guy. He is like her mm-hmm. antagonist. Well, and he's also like the scariest looking motherfucker. Yeah. And they kill <laughs> him off like the in the first one so quickly. And so him coming back and being in this show and having a really interesting like plot line um, and being a, being a mini puppeteer in Mandalore is all like really fascinating. It's so insane that they brought him back. I thought it sounded like a terrible idea. And I was just shocked when I was like, wait, he's alive? Because it's like a definitive fact to me from the years 1999 to like 2002. <laughs> he got chopped in half by Obi-Wan and he's dead. Yeah, and I always I, like, wow, what a cool character. He doesn't really do much in Phantom Menace, but he's really cool. And it turns out he got like three more years of stories. Right. And I love how... Uh, the puppet master aspect because you can see like that's something that he clearly learned from his master Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and he's doing it on a smaller scale but he's doing that same thing of manipulating and you know he finds his own weird kind of charisma i think yeah um and kind of digs into that and you know learns how to manipulate uh the like 
far right fringe of Mandalorian culture mm-hmm. to his ends, even though like he does not give a shit about them as he makes very clear yeah. <laughs> in this final arc. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that part is great where the guy asks for help and he's just like, nope, die. Good luck dying. No. Die well, Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I saw on like a YouTube channel that I think is pretty cool: the armor and the Mandalorian has spikes on her helmet, so she was like probably one of Darth Maul's people when this was happening. Possibly, who knows? She could also just have a, a weird helmet that she made, but they look very similar. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I. I uh... I think that it's very interesting that they bring... So, here, okay, so here's my thing as we get into the finale talk mm-hmm. and more mall talk is Tori and I have not watched um, Rebels. Mm-hmm. I personally think that I know most of the things that you could probably spoil for me about some of these characters' uh, arcs because uh, some of them do kind of sprinkle their way into Rebels as I understand it. I, so I'm fine with you guys talking about some of those things more specifically, but I wanted it's to bring okay. it up before. Yeah, okay. it's okay. Because I think that one of my questions after the finale is, I loved the second and third episodes of the finale. Mm-hmm. The final part I enjoyed, but like was a little bit confused. It didn't feel like an ending to me. And I'm wondering if it's because if I were a fan that had been watching these things along, I would actually have information about a lot of the characters that are featured in that last episode that maybe that last episode is actually referencing information I should technically already have from watching other stuff. What do you think, Ryan? I, I don't think so. I think that last episode is kind of just a, a slightly strange uh, wrap-up in that the, the, the energy is downshifted from the third one. Because, yeah, Order 66 is the the peak of that arc. Mm. Yeah. Don't really know mm-hmm. what Ahsoka and Maul do for the next uh, the next fifteen years or so, right? Well, right? But, well, I, I mean, Jill, do you want do you want to answer first, and then I can? Well, the only thing that I, um, the only thing that is in Rebels that I think makes the ending more poignant is her spirit animal that shows up yeah, at the, the end. Oh yeah, there's a little owl. Her owl, owl, yeah. Oh and, yeah, so that like bird flying that Vader looks up at, that's like her. Like, like spirit creature like that, yeah, that like follows okay. her. Shit. Yeah. Cool. Okay, that um, helps a little bit because I honestly, it was, it really was those last just few seconds of the show that mm-hmm. I was like, the episode was fine, but as you said, Jacob, like it felt a little more like denouement than actual like climax, and so it's like you know, it's like not necessarily as exciting. But then, especially those last few seconds where I was like, I mean, it's snow, so am I supposed to think this is Hoth, and is that supposed to matter to me? Because otherwise, this imagery of Darth Vader on this planet, I mean, it's cool that he picks up her lightsaber, but I don't actually know really why I care or this matters as an ending sure. to this whole series. Yeah, right. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, so I completely agree with everything you said, but I will say that the ending of the episode almost brought me to tears. Okay. I think in part because, yeah. one, it is an endpoint for the clones as... Yeah. as uh, a mass of characters, um, you know, spoiler for Rebels, you will see Rex again. Yeah. Um, and so I think her tribute to the clones, I thought was the most moving part of that entire episode. I like mm-hmm. that too, yeah. And then I I like the Vader kind of, uh, I guess it's like an epilogue, really, because, uh, and I did look up one, it's definitely not Hoth. It is just some unnamed okay. moon that we have not seen before. Yeah. But, I thought it was, Morai, but I also don't know what. I, that's just something I saw on Twitter that it's the planet Morai or something. 
Um, at first, I thought it was the planet that you explore a crashed uh, yeah. Republic cruiser in Fallen Order. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Zephos, yeah. Um, but, uh, but anyway, I like that the, the red on the ship looks like a, like a scab or a scar mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. planet, which is kind of also another way to like underline the impact of the war. And then I think, I, I think, I also think the knowing that we'll see more of Ahsoka and knowing that Vader is also in Rebels. Like there, there is an echo later, and that yeah, there is okay. something in the bond. It's a, it, you know, this is the end point of the chapter in both of in their relationship, and I think seeing Vader pick up that lightsaber, like seeing Anakin now as Vader, already putting that stuff behind him, but still connected to it, and like in the recent Darth Vader comic books, they haven't referenced Ahsoka a lot specifically, but. Like he's basically been like on his Mustafar fortress, trying to bring Padme back to life in some way, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah. he meets he like in the one that just started before comics stopped coming out entirely thanks to coronavirus. Um, he runs into a former handmaiden of Padme as Vader, and like has a whole mental break of like, is my wife back from the dead? And then figures out that she's actually a handmaiden. And like they're both looking for something of Padme's, basically, and they're wow. like, kind of teaming up together. Mm. And again, like I think it, all of this underlines the tragedy of Anakin. Like the last like three years, or you know, uh, I guess six years of Star Wars has changed my entire perspective on Darth Vader. And I love that we get like the Rogue One ending view of him, where he is a scary fucking monster, and you need to get away from him as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And also, like, he's a sad guy who's like constantly yeah. grieving, and like he's stuck in middle management, and like he hates <laughs> his life. Like yeah. he's both things at the same time, and like that, I think, has just like completely changed my view of all of Star Wars. Yeah, Garrett, I was gonna say, I just don't want to spoil anything you don't know about Rebels, so I, I just won't say anything besides that Ahsoka, Vader, and Maul, and the main characters are in Rebels, and that's my mm-hmm. favorite thing with Dave Filoni is how he just tells these long character arcs like that span different eras in Star Wars. Yeah, and, and uh, that much I knew, so you're not really spoiling anything. Yeah, from yeah. Me, I just I don't want to say I just don't want to say more at risk of you of me spoiling something you don't know yet. But yeah, right. all those all those arcs are very satisfyingly filled in Rebels. I think that's and all. The I- ending the ending with Vader I thought was amazing because it's like uh, he, he he gave the lightsaber back to Ahsoka. I, th- I think it's just like him realizing how bad he fucked up when he when he gets. He, I think he like kneels when he picks up the lightsaber. I think it's him thinking about like these were my clones that I gave to her, and I fucked up so bad. Like I probably got her killed by helping Palpatine. Yeah, I, I thought that was like yeah. great. But I can see it being like a little like uh, I don't know. No well, it was. I mean, all the stuff with them in this last arc like made me very very emotional. Anytime yeah. they were together, I just wanted to like weep constantly. Um, Because I didn't know how she was going to find out about him becoming Vader, if she did or not. So all of that was like really, uh, really sad. Yeah. I just, I I think thinking about this as like longer form storytelling, which eventually they want you to start thinking about, especially as you get deeper into that show. In a weird way, it makes like no sense for there to just be a shot of Darth Vader at the end of the show, because he's literally (laughs) never a character in the show before that. So I was like, I I don't totally get what this is doing. But, but more importantly, like I, I was saying to Tori before that episode started, I was like, I'm very curious if Darth Vader is going to be in this finale, because I think actually like the, 
from a writing standpoint, the best gift they could give Ahsoka, who is clearly the character they care most about, is to never have to have her actually confront Darth Vader. Is for her to never have to actually like meet Anakin as Darth Vader, for that to happen and her not be present for it and never, you know, sort of get disconnected from the storyline with the Jedi mm -hmm. without ever having to like confront that version of Anakin would yeah. be like a beautiful gift for that character. That said, as a fan who's watching this, all I want to see is Ahsoka have to confront Darth Vader. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see her have to confront that. So I think that's why like I got to that ending and I was like, so he is in it, but nothing actually happens. Like he just like <laughs> finds her lightsaber and it's like, oh no, <laughs> like it just ends, you know? Yeah, he either takes that as proof that she's dead, takes that as proof that she's still out there, and either way, it just feels really, really overwhelmingly bad that yeah. Uh, yeah. friend and, and, and Padawan is gone. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that last scene is cool just because Anakin's the hero of the show, and it's an incredibly dark, all of Star Wars is dark and sad, but yeah, it's just very sad to see, like, well, here's your hero, here's what all this did to him at the end. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was really interesting that the first episode of this last arc they give him this like really amazing heroic moment uh, where he like comes in as like the shining star and pulls one of his like crazy plans that he always has. And he and Obi-Wan have their like silly back and forth um, because it's like he's he's such a good Jedi at that point and he is about to fall like very quickly. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a very beautiful way to start that. I did too. That, the, the, the very silly scenes with him and Obi-Wan really made me emotional and they were like comedy <laughs> played for comedy but it just made me think like yeah all this is like ending it's all like on the yeah. brink of well and they, I mean they do that everybody loves to make fun of this and I do think it's funny but I also think it's true and beautiful Lucas's thing about like it's poetry it rhymes uh, <laughs> they like they do a ton of that throughout the finale. Oh, that quote from Lucas? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they, do, they do a ton of that throughout this finale at, at, starting almost immediately with exactly that which is Anakin pulling what we know to be Luke's move at the end of The Last Jedi. They yeah. literally echo that shot where it's just Anakin crossing the battlefield alone, facing like a line of huge ships and a massive army. It's the exact move that Luke pulls at the end of The Last Jedi. And I really like the idea of this show starting to create echoes with like where Star Wars has gone now, you know what I mean? I'm not a believer in Star Wars ring theory, but so much of Star Wars is just references or like like little yeah. mirrors of something else that already happened, which I, which sometimes it can be a little bit too much. Usually it's great. Yeah. Oh, I will agree with that though, Jacob. I mean, for instance, the first like four seasons of the show, maybe once an episode, somebody <laughs> says like, I got a bad feeling about this. It's like, I okay. get it. God damn it. Yeah. They, they hit it's the, a trap. Yeah. It's pretty hard sometimes. And that's kind of just all Star Wars material, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I, I was actually, I mean, I knew that it was going to start with this Bad Batch arc. Um, yeah. this final season but I was almost surprised by how much I end up enjoying it and like even by the end of that first episode they felt like characters I had already met and known already mm -hmm. uh, which was super fun and I just you know I, I think again that, that helps recenter this whole thing about to be about Rex and Ahsoka because mm -hmm. you get like that arc is kind of all about Rex and like his search for fives mm. um, and then you get like this you know kind of like 
a little bit too long arc with Ahsoka and those two sisters, um, which also connects to stuff that happens in Solo because the Pikes are who they're stealing the coaxium from. I was curious if the one character, and I, I don't think it is now that I've seen it, but just when the images were first coming out, I was like, is this the character that Tandy Newton played yeah, in Solo? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I thought, like, the one character looked a lot, like to me, like a young version of Tandy Newton's character in Solo. Speaking of Solo, if Solo had been a success, we'd have, we'd get a Solo 2 about Maul fighting Kira like, and Han. And, I know, yeah. We're, we're not going to get now. So they meant to tell a lot more Maul stuff in that era, because like I said, we don't really know what, what Ahsoka and Maul do for, like, the years between Clone Wars and Rebels. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm sure there's going to be comics or books or something about it. Yeah, there's an Ahsoka novel that takes place, I want to say, like she's 18, so it's maybe like two or three years after this. Mm. Um, that was like a te- basically like a test run of like, is this character popular outside yeah. of, like beyond, like are people going to be invested in this character enough to pay for a book, um, you know, when they thought there might not be more Clone Wars? Mm-hmm. Um so I'm sure we'll get more. I mean, honestly, bring on more solo. Like, just do a solo animated series yeah. at that point. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do everything in animation from now on. Yeah. <laughs> do yeah. anything. You, want. <laughs> uh, you guys have both played Fallen Order. You, so and there's one Clone Wars episode where Ahsoka takes a bunch of Padawans to build their lightsabers. Yeah. Very fun. That episode, I like all those characters a lot. Yeah. yeah. Even though they're just, like, silly kids. But then later in her book, she, like, she, like flies by Ilum and, like, notes that it's been mined to like strip mine and has a trench in the mm. middle of it and then later in fallen order you go there and see what looks like star killer base so th- my basically they set up that ilum is star killer base over like four different projects over like five years Whoa. of storytelling and I they've never confirmed it yeah they've yeah. never said it 100 uh, percent. they um i think they finally confirmed it in the rise of skywalker you're, visual you're dictionary right. you're right they totally did after fallen order it's like okay, yeah it happened why like why does it look exactly the same if it's not your that's very interesting so the planet that we saw ahsoka take those kids to to make their lightsabers is star killer base yes because yes. the uh, heart of star killer base is like this kyber, giant right? kyber crystal yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. and that kind of makes star killer base like less lame because it was a sacred jedi planet that they turned into a super weapon right, right. In yeah. and all that yeah that's some deep lore star wars shit that i like a lot <laughs> Yeah, but but I think that also speaks to the echoes and the way that like Lucasfilm can be really good about setting up things across mul- across multiple projects and multiple timelines. Like yeah, it's yeah, really clear to me that like Rogue One and Last Jedi had a lot of cross pollination. Mm-hmm. Like not only because yeah. the one admiral Radis that they introduce in Rogue One, like the ship in Last Jedi is named after him. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, but, yeah. Uh, but, uh, if, if Ahsoka is my number one character, number two is. Admiral Radis, he's so fucking cool. He has like 10 seconds of screen time, and he's so cool. Um, no joke, though, when he looks down at the planet, when he's talking to uh, the uh, the pilot, and he's like talk- like sending a message down, and he's like looking down through the glass bottom of the ship, I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Chris White's the writer of Rogue One said on Blank Check that there was a cut line of him saying, like, tell my friend Akbar I died well which should really, really be in the movie. It's a shame it's not, because it's really cool. Yeah. Fishman. Um, <laughs> yeah, so great, great Fishman, great character. Well, okay, so maybe we can talk about this uh, a little bit, which is that, like, so one of the things I love about this show is that I think it really does improve the prequel trilogy to me. You and I, yeah. we, haven't, we haven't rewatched Revenge of the Sith yet, but mm-hmm. we rewatched Clone Wars. At some point, like, in the middle of season five or six, yeah. we were like, oh, we got to rewatch that. 
And it was like a much better movie with all of this stuff from the show floating around in my head. Um, but that brings me to this weird thing with these movies where like, Jacob, as you were saying, like, hey, Starkiller Base is now a whole lot less lame that I know Ilum is, is Starkiller Base. But as you had to explain, I've seen at least three of the four things you said it takes <laughs> to build all of that. And I didn't know that. Like, yeah. <laughs> it takes me absorbing four separate things across four separate mediums to understand one detail that makes a movie cool. That uh, I do like that movie. If that movie is actually a bad example of what I'm trying to say here, but mm -hmm. like that it takes to make a movie that might otherwise be pretty lame. If I have to like experience four other things in four other mediums to go like, oh, actually pretty good. Uh, it's probably not very good. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> problem with Rise of Skywalker where it's like giant plot explanation. Yeah. Otherwise, well, that's I, why that's why I didn't want to watch Clone Wars yeah. in the first place because everyone's like, oh, it'll improve like the prequels. And I think ultimately for me, when we watched it, I didn't really care about that. I just was like, okay, I've heard it's good. And as it went on, I cared less and less about that. Yeah. And when we rewatch them, it's amazing that I care about those things more. Yeah. But like the reason to watch Clone Wars is because Clone Wars is fucking fantastic oh, yeah. and has made this universe more inclusive, more interesting, gives like characters that didn't have a lot to do in the movies, more things to do. Um, but like, you know, has even improved, you know, the newer stuff, which, you know, Rise of Skywalker was fairly, you know, disappointing, I think, to a lot of us. Um, so like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so that was nice too, that I was like, as I was getting like really sad on Star Wars, Clone Wars came in and like brought it back to life for me. Yeah, and I think that's, I'm, I'm curious to hear like everybody's opinion on this because I think I, I kind of lean your direction, which is like, for the most part, I don't even care how these things mm -hmm. interconnect or matter to each other. Like I just, I'm super glad that Clone Wars is as good as yeah. it is. But um, I do, it is very weird to have this property where yeah. like, personally, I wish the movies were just good and sometimes they are not. Um, and, I, and I wish that it didn't require all of this yeah. extra stuff for them to become like even interesting to me. Um, and, and so to me, like what that makes my ultimate opinion is like, maybe all of Star Wars should be a serial. Like mm -hmm. it works so much yeah. better as Clone Wars than it does as the movies, in my opinion, now that I've seen all of Clone Wars. Maybe that's actually the best format. For, that's what, so like my, my analytical brain comes down and like, I guess that means the best format for Star Wars is actually like television serials and not like movies. But I am curious where you guys fall out on just this whole concept of like the idea that we need to have all of these different stories told across all of these different mediums. And without them, they all kind of fall apart on their own. They all like almost require each other to be, do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. And I, Go ahead, Joel. Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. Um, I hear you. Um, yeah. And I think I actually, we had this conversation before where, because I know that, because um, I actually read like all of the books that come out and the books really help to fill in gaps in the movies and make you like the movies more. <laughs> um, so on like a personal level, I guess I don't care because I know I'm going to read the books. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes... I read the books and, or I, I read books like before the movie comes out in the hopes that threads that started in the book will be included in the movie. And when that doesn't happen, I get pissed off. Yeah, me because too. Because yeah. the material so in the book is so good. Yes, like why yes. not use this? 
Mm. You know, one of the only Star Wars books I've ever read was the Phantom Menace novelization, mm. which I bought like right before because that they're available sometimes before the movies mm-hmm. actually come out. So I read yeah. the novelization before I saw the movie and was disappointed to find that there were threads from the book that just were not in the movie. Right, right. And um, there's the, I'm going to forget the name of it, the um, the Leia novel that came out just before uh, Jedi. Bloodline by Claudia Gray. Bloodline is an amazing novel. Really? Ooh. And it's, it makes The Force Awakens better. It's so good. It, it explains why people don't answer the call they make at the end of Last Jedi. Well, mm-hmm. um, I, see, and that's why, like, I wanted them to pick up that thread because right. mm-hmm. I feel like the movies kind of drop the ball on explaining whether or not people know that Leia is Vader's daughter or whether yeah. Kylo is her son. Like, nobody yeah. talks about this, and it's kind of a big deal because yeah. she's the leader of the huge... rebellion and she's yeah, got yeah. two traitors in her family. Like, yeah. but nobody talks about it. And yeah, like, it's like if Hitler's son was also somehow Michelle Obama's son and <laughs> yeah. he was like rising up to be the leader, yes. he would be like, okay, we need to talk about and question, like, is this kid more an Obama or more a Hitler? <laughs> Like, we need to right. have this conversation. Right. But, I've seen people say that it's dumb that Ben Solo's name is Ben Solo. Why wouldn't you take the name Skywalker? Why do you... It's not dumb. It makes perfect sense that they would hide from the galaxy that her son is an evil person's grandson. Yeah. 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 I mean, for me, like, I think I'm more with Jill, but I have, like, taking it one kind of level up is... Because I take in as much ancillary Star Wars stuff as I can because... Yeah. Um, especially with the novels, even with like Fallen Order, the video game, there are very smart people who get to work on Star Wars right now. Um, Most of the Star Wars books in the like, you know, uh, restarted continuity of uh, novels are written by women and they're amazing. So they are, you know, they tend to be a little bit more inclusive. Um, But I think, I feel like the Star Wars movies are very constrained by needing, by still feeling like they need to be Star Wars movies. Mm. Whereas like the bloodline, the novel is a political thriller. Like Leia's in the Senate dealing with factions of people and terrorist threats and political opinions and public polling and things, Mm. you know? And I feel like they couldn't do that in the movie because everyone was like, oh, Phantom Menace, like who cares about taxation of trade routes? And I'm like, no, that shit's interesting. (laughs) Like, (laughs) um, This is why I think it makes more sense as a serial because in 22 minutes, I am much more willing to let you be like, this episode is basically in the loop on the Death Star. It's right. just a bunch of fucking Imperials arguing with each other about who's in charge of something. You like, just my new that. favorite episode of anything. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> right. It's like, I want that, but a 22-minute episode is how that makes sense to me. A 90-minute right, movie right. of that doesn't even make sense to me, and I want that. You know right. what I mean? So it definitely it, doesn't make sense to the studio that needs to spend millions of dollars on Right, it. but the devil's bargain is, like, yeah. they need to make money from movies and theme parks to pay yes. the people to make the things that we also really yeah. enjoy. Yeah. And the best-case scenario is the movies are also, like, The Last Jedi, done right. by very right. smart people, operating at the top level of their game, making great use of all the money and resources that they have access to. So, like, best-case scenario is it's all great, and it's all, or at least really good. Yeah, I think it, the the difference becomes clearer when we have things that aren't measuring quite up to yeah. the level yeah, yeah. that we want them to be. So yeah, it's such a weird. I love that it's this big multimedia franchise that has like different. It's it's taking place like the storytelling is books and comics and movies and TV and video games, and you can engage with any amount of that that you want to and still get something out of it. You know, 
people that people have just seen the last the rise of skywalker and haven't seen clone wars or rebels or anything the frustrating part of it is like when you're watching uh you know episode nine and you're like oh maybe how cool would it be if admiral thrawn showed up half the audience would lose their minds and love it and half the audience would not know who thrawn was (laughs) haven't watched star wars rebels which like even happened and that even happened with the end of Solo, and it's yeah. like yeah, yeah, probably yeah. like ninety nine percent of the audience seeing Solo knows who Darth Maul is, mm-hmm. yeah. but still didn't know what to do with the fact that he was in it. You know what I mean? An yep. older guy I used to work with the weekend after Solo came out was like, "So did it take place like before the Phantom right. Menace?" So confused, does Han like age differently than people do? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's yep. just he's fucking alive in a cartoon. Yeah, that- yeah. So here I'm. A- I'm going to do a very like Greek philosophy thing right now and, and just argue against my premise entirely because I do think that like, <laughs> I was thinking about this yesterday and I think that one of the, the great things about Star Wars is that there's not like a big overarching plan like there is for, mm-hmm. you know, there's so, that's the sure. big thing in Hollywood right now is these big overarching plans for things. And it's, it's good. It works very well sometimes. But I think one of the joys in Star Wars is that because there's not an overarching plan, literally every new thing writes everyone else into a box that they have to write their way out of. And yeah. that makes for like a lot of interesting creativity yeah. and storytelling, I think. Yeah, which like Ryan said earlier yeah. too, which I think is like pretty interesting. Yeah. Like those constraints yes. help yes. To, to make something yeah. interesting. And I think those constraints come from the fact yeah. that this is not a well thought out, well planned universe. Yeah. It's a universe that's ever evolving, mm-hmm. has new creators behind every single piece of it who take what they want from the other pieces mm-hmm. of it, throw other stuff by the wayside. And so then everybody's having to come in and pick up those pieces. Yeah. And I think that means you probably have a ratio of good to bad that could be imbalanced at different times. But I do think that it makes for a more interesting product on the whole, probably. And a product that can adapt, right? It also makes for a product that can mm-hmm. literally change with the times and adapt to new creative ideas and energies mm-hmm. and thoughts and stuff where something that is too calculated would not necessarily be able to do that. Yeah. So we can get something like Clone Wars, which is like in, in a universe that until that point, in my opinion, had been heavily dominated by male characters is heavily dominated by female characters. I know all of the clones are men, but like every <laughs> other character that is of significance in that series is, is female. And giving, like, the female characters that were there stuff to do. Like, Padme is fascinating (laughs) in the Clone Wars and is doing so much shit, and that's amazing. And all the best characters are Satine and Ventress and Ahsoka. Like, all of the best characters in the show are the female characters in the show. Bo-Katan. Shout out to Bo-Katan. She's cool as shit. Uh, Bo-Katan's great. Uh, I think he could be in the Mandalorian. I, I don't want to spoil anything potentially from Rebels to say why I think that, but I hope she is. It'd be cool. <laughs> uh, and why I think Star Wars is more more. In, there's two reasons why I think Star Wars is more interesting than the most successful planned out universe, which is the Marvel Cinematic which, Universe. Which one? Um, <laughs> the, mo- the most. Do you mean right. the DC Extended Universe? <laughs> um, look, let me tell you about Shazam. Um, <laughs> It was totally planned. You the mean whole the time. dark universe, don't you? I can't imagine which cinematic franchise. Uh, <laughs> dark universe, you mean the dark universe. Uh, RIP dark universe, because uh, it could have been great. Russell Crowe as Jekyll and Hyde is actually am- gives an amazingly ridiculous performance. Yeah, they cast him as himself yeah. twice. Right. Um, he fights with his own hand. Um, but uh, is that like, you know, yes, the Marvel movies introduced Thanos in like 20, you know, 14 and then he doesn't become the major villain until 2018, which is fine and cool and fun, but 
because Star Wars is telling stories at different points in that universe's timeline, mm -hmm. like there's ways to create echoes between Clone Wars and Last mm -hmm. Jedi and like all the cool stuff that we're talking about and like inserting kind of like uh, backseating lore, like not retconning, not changing what happened, but like, oh, like, like filling in all that stuff about Starkiller Base, which is again, a thing you don't need to know to watch any of this stuff or experience right. it. But when you come across it, you're like, oh, whoa, that's such a cool detail. And I, I feel like the, the people that make Star Wars care so much uh, about it. And also Star Wars is the source material for itself. Like Marvel, like I know what's gonna happen in a Marvel movie just because the title is from a comic that I've probably read or at least I'm aware of. And I kind of know how these stories go. And like, you know, I'm not so sacred where I'm like, well, you know, only Amazing Spider-Man counts as the canonical Spider-Man stories. Like the way comic books are, they're kind of all over the place. And you know, the my, headcanon is really the only thing that matters. It's what stories have you read and how do you think of Spider-Man? Whereas like Star Wars, like it is like it's a living thing and it's like a mm -hmm. real, I don't know, there's something more real to it about it and having those details that aren't necessary, like again, make me feel like, oh, there are smart people that care about this universe as much as I do. And like my experience is richer for it, you know what I mean? Mm. Without taking away from, you know, kids to come into the fandom or new fans of any age to come in. Yeah, yeah. The, the Marvel Universe is so tightly run by Kevin Feige, like a showrunner, where he is in charge of everything at one time. I like that. I, I don't know if I would want that for Star Wars. Like, you can make a lot of criticisms about the sequel trilogy and, like, how it could have been. It, it's, like, a scattered vision between two directors and how Kathleen Kennedy could have, like, done stuff to prevent that. But I just, I just don't necessarily want it to be as one note as the marvel universe is yeah i like that they bring in all kinds of different people and let them do different things yeah Taika. yeah yeah and i agree i i think for the failures um there are so many great successes like something like the last jedi that it does make it worth it right yeah um and and, and um Ah, you know what? I had a thought and I lost it. I'll I'll get back to it in a second. What the ending of Clone Wars makes me really excited about, besides the fact that it in and of itself is great, and Clone Wars might be my favorite Star Wars thing on the whole, yeah. Mm -hmm. At any given moment, is like if we get season like four and five of the Mandalorian, and like the real crazy shit that they could do yeah. once they've so kind of by that point, because like both Clone Wars and Rebels, kind of like there are slow burn in terms of like the scope, the scale, mm -hmm. the stakes of the story. They really do kind of let it, let it unfold over a couple seasons to kind of bring you know in that case the kid audience I think along for the ride. So by the time you get to the deep stuff, like they're really engaged with it. Mm -hmm. uh, like the only other series that does that, I think that's like kid friendly, is uh, the Last Airbender. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know we're like this is like mature stuff that's like accessible for kids you know yeah 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 and that's the other thing about star wars is that it is for kids and it's also very violent and full of crazy complex political themes and like like you know societal societal themes yeah it's insanely violent i wouldn't if i had a kid i would let them watch the show once they were like 10 but it's it's there's death in every episode i love I, it dude, I kept thinking about it as it went on. Like anytime there was a droid episode that was like clearly for kids, I was like, why are we even fucking doing this anymore? You're decapitating <laughs> yeah. people in other episodes. <laughs> yeah. The Mandalore arc has like, you know, the hundreds of people die in the course of those four episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, what I was going to say, and I, and I, I it, it's kind of just an expansion of a point I was making before, but I do think it's very interesting 
that just due to the nature of how Clone Wars got tossed around through different networks, Mm -hmm. eventually Disney gets their own streaming service, so they get to make a final season, blah, 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 all this stuff. One of the very interesting things that I can't think of, maybe you guys will have examples of this, maybe Doctor Who is an example of this, but I don't know, but other stories where, uh, you know, so for instance, it's like the the prequels get made, Mm -hmm. then a few seasons of Clone Wars get made, then Rebels gets made and tries to follow up on some stuff that didn't get to be tied up in Clone Wars, but then more Clone Wars gets made. So now yeah. there's all this stuff about some of the Clone Wars characters that happens later in the timeline because of Rebels trying to wrap some of it up, but now we get to do more Clone Wars. So now with the information that we know about their futures, we go back and tell some more stories about their past. And Star Wars is one of the only properties I can think of that has this sort of, as you were saying, Ryan, this living mythology, I guess comic books are a lot like this, but this living mythology that takes place in multiple points in its timeline at different times of creation. And so as more properties are made within the property, you can keep going back to the other properties and going like, let's make more echoes. Let's find more reasons that these things make sense. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the only other one I can think of uh, which I actually have zero experience firsthand with is uh, Terry Pratchett's Discworld. Okay. Cause I understand that like he wrote those books at all different points in time. And like, I've seen like diagrams of like, if you like this thing, you should start with this book and then read that book, which will lead you into this trilogy. And then okay. you should go over here and read this other thing before you yeah. read the book after that. And like, it's not meant to be complicated. It's meant to be like, here's how to find your path through what's yeah. interesting to you about this. Doctor Who does that a little bit, but it, it it's mostly confined to like a single creative voice within it's, Doctor Who. It's ultimately more linear, right? It's still a season of television coming out successively after each other where what we're talking about is like these different stories in these different mediums that all kind of inform each other back and forth, which is yeah. very interesting. Yeah, yeah Star- I mean, Star Wars is the only thing other than, like, I guess, the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really think of anything either. It's such a weird... Dude, Star Wars story. even has an apocrypha now, I just realized. Right. There is now a yeah. series of Star Wars stories that are technically not canonical, right. but were written to be yeah. part of the canon at some point. It's gonna... It, people... Dumb people will say shit like, oh, Star Wars is dead. It's it's, it's survived against all odds for 40 years. It's not yeah. going away within our yeah. lifetimes, I think. Yeah. Like, no, it, yeah. It's such an enduring thing because people like it a lot. Especially not if Filoni keeps getting to tell an Ahsoka Tano story. Like, at this point, yes. I'm like, Filoni, lo- Filoni has one character that he loves and created and might be the best Star Wars character and clearly just wants to keep telling her story, and I'm fucking all in for it. I just, so fine with that. I think make a hundred TV shows and movies and books and make sure she's threaded through all of them. That's mm-hmm. all I want. Yep. I'm fine with that. I, as as is the Star Wars fandom want to do. When the Clone Wars started, a lot of people didn't like Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. But the general consensus now is that she's just a wonderful character all around. Yeah, She rules. I didn't know she existed until I watched Clone Wars. And it shocked yeah. me because for, for 10 years or for you know my whole life, I've been like, yeah, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo are so fucking cool. I'm like, yeah, they're, they kind of just pale in comparison to how much time and yeah. depth we get and that's the thing with tv too is you get to sure. spend a lot more time with ahsoka than you do with luke skywalker yeah and i think uh it's it was a really bold choice to introduce her as a character who was so young at the beginning yeah because at the beginning of clone wars she is young and annoying because she is young and yeah. Yeah. like that's part of what turned me off originally and i was like oh this is not for me and that's and i was like and that's fine 
I can just move on with my life and not worry about Star Wars anymore. The long tradition I, in Star Wars that fans are just going to have to start getting used to, which is that they all start with whiny, annoying young characters <laughs> who have to grow beyond that. Well, I one of them looked like the, me, and that made all the difference. <laughs> <laughs> I saw myself in Jake Lloyd like every other seven years um, I kind of think the early stuff with Ahsoka as a, like a young, new, kind of annoying Padawan is much better than like the dynamics between Anakin and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and the two for the first two prequels. I guess I just mean that like the, he's too young in The Phantom Menace. He should be a little bit older and they should get to the Jedi shit way sooner, I think. Wait, yeah. you mean you don't like the age difference between <laughs> Anakin and Padme? <laughs> no, that, that part's weird. Yeah. I don't mind that so much because she's like 14. In the in yeah. Phantom Menace, like sixteen when she films it, I just mean I feel like they, there's a more interesting story to be told when he's like twelve or thirteen instead of like eight, and then they jump to him being like eighteen or sixteen or whatever he's supposed to be in Attack of the Clones. If people are listening to this and like are are interested in that and want to hear like a lot more conversation about it, I recommend the podcast Star Wars Minute. Um, yeah. They go through in detail the history of the script for the Phantom Menace which originally had Anakin as like a 12 or 13 year yeah. old character. Yeah. yeah. Very arbitrarily one day George Lucas was like, nah, he's eight now and I'm changing nothing else about the script. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that kind of is, is a big flaw that could have been ironed out yeah. a little bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I love Star Wars Minute. I don't want to speak ill of another podcast. I will say it puts me to sleep, man. Like nothing else. <laughs> it, it is like melatonin for me. <laughs> I love that podcast. And uh, the, I, uh, I, I guess I can't disagree with that necessarily, but they, they do have a lot of good information about Star Wars. If you're yeah, lots of great like that. If you're watching Star Wars and going like, why the fuck would anyone do this? Listen to Star Wars Minute. George Lucas did make those decisions very consciously. I can't explain it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, and the, the thing about George Lucas is like, I've gone a full circle from like when I was a kid, worshiped the ground that he walked on. Then the, we went through the prequels and I was like, fuck that guy. Yeah. And now I'm like, no, he is actually a genius. <laughs> Hollywood did him wrong. He's, he's better than most, than most people in Hollywood. And he's kind yeah. of a genius and a great philanthropist. Yeah. Yes. Um, I've been here with him as well. I do yeah, also I have a... I don't want to cut this short, but I probably got to bounce in the next few minutes. Do you guys want to wrap it up or do you guys want to keep talking and Tori and I will bounce? Uh, I think we can wrap it up. Uh, I do have a quick Star Wars podcast recommendation. Uh, what the Force? Um, they do deep dives on mythology, on music, like oh, not cool. just Star Wars mythology, but like how it echoes real world mythology. That's very cool. Um, that sounds great. I didn't, I will have to check that out. I've never heard of yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Marie Claire Gould, who's the host, she's Canadian and has a very charming Canadian accent. Um, but they go through like how this Greek myth is reflected in Star Wars or how, you cool. know, and cool. all their episodes are fantastic. They did a, a recap for every episode of the Clone Wars. Highly recommend uh, what the force so jill you were gonna talk. yeah i just wanted to shout out the music in the last four. Oh my god episodes. thank you thank you yes yeah i uh it might be my favorite thing about the last arc honestly the um, soundtrack before it came out yesterday i believe so you can listen to it on like spotify now sweet sweet Dude. 
you know, not only is it super good, Jill, the other thing is this show started with some of the worst Star Wars music I've ever heard in the universe. I wish I could remember those days. Oh I my don't God. remember. Jill, there are literal techno songs in like the first couple seasons of this show. Nice. They like go out of their way to be like, yo, fucking Star Wars is animated now, so it's fucking cool, dude. And then you just hear like, meow, 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 meow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is so, so bad in the first few seasons. Uh, yeah. In the Order 66 episode, there's like a five minute sequence of that dialogue. I love it. It's it's my favorite. Amazing. Yeah. It's my the favorite thing. Started, I had chills up and down my body when I was watching yep. it. Yeah. Same. The, the music uh, gets progressively better through the whole series, just to say that, since I just insulted so much of it. But it gets like so much better as the series goes on. And I think those last four episodes had the best music in the entire series. Um, it, it, oh, yeah. The whole album is on here oh, for nice. The Last there's, Arc. There's three albums for the, the last I, season. I don't want to unplug my speakers, but you guys can probably see my clone gunship up there. Yes. <laughs> Full of yeah. clones and Yoda and Mace Windu are all packed in there. Yeah. I, what I'll say about the music, Jill, is uh, so my favorite Star Wars music in recent years, I mean, obviously John Williams has all the, all the best stuff and continued to do great stuff even as he got into the prequels and again in the new trilogy too. Like Ray's mm-hmm. theme is amazing, I think. But um, what's that guy's name? Uh, uh, Ludwig Göransson, the guy that yep. did the music yeah. for The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I think finally did something new with Star Wars music that yeah. feels very Star Wars, but is actually like new. It's not just remixing and rehashing the John Williams stuff mm-hmm. and twisting it a little. It's actually new Star Wars music that feels very Star Wars, but doesn't sound like John Williams. Yeah. And I think... He really nailed it. I think I don't know who did the score for these Clone Wars episodes. Uh, the guy did is, it. Uh, say again. Kevin, uh, Kevin Kiner. Uh, okay. He did all of the Clone Wars and Rebels. Okay. Uh, and I think it's meant to evoke Williams because it's in between two of his scores. Yes. But yeah, I, th- I, I do think he got more. He got not only better but also more uh, like a longer leash as the well, series did, went on. Did the music for uh, Walker Texas Ranger. <laughs> Interesting. And Golden Eye video game. What I think is, even as you can hear the music get progressively better over the course of the series, I, I think post Garanson working on Star Wars, I think they, f- I think just in general, the brand of Star Wars figured out like, oh, this is how we break the John Williams tradition mm-hmm. while still sounding and feeling like Star Wars. Like th- this arc, its music is so much better than anything in any of the rest of Clone Wars. And it feels to me like that is coming on the heels of someone else finally cracking the code of, of Star Wars music. Yeah, it's really interesting because it, it sounds like an 80s sci-fi, like yes. horror at some point, but then I'm yes. listening to it and I'm like, I was trying to remember back to music in Revenge of the Sith, especially that moment before like things really go go bad. And I think Anakin is in the council chamber and Padme is at home and they have that moment where they both go to the windows and like yeah. look out yeah. over the city. And there's this weird like choral, like eerie music that plays that sounds similar to this. But when we just recently watched it, I'm like, nah, it's like, it's, it's like that, but it's different. And it's just funny how it invokes that. Like it, 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 it feels like Star Wars, but it's completely different and, and it's, and it's its own thing, but also brings in like weird, like electronic tonal yeah. stuff. It so, feels yeah. like the electronic stuff was like their big idea with Clone Wars. Like, ooh, we'll bring electronic music into Star Wars, and it does not fucking work in the first it's, couple seasons. No, they're like, it's it synth. As it goes. Synth yeah, yeah. is the way to go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it took them a while to figure it out. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, guys, this has been a real fucking delight and pleasure. I'm yeah. so glad we got to talk I about know, this. I, yeah, this was yeah. awesome, guys. It was such a good ending, and I had such a good time watching it. I, I almost texted you guys at like 1 a.m. on Sunday night to be like, they put the episode up early. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> They're all asleep, man. They'll figure it out. You knew but better. I, I, yeah. I implore you, Garrett and Tori, to watch Rebels. I'm sure it's on your to-do list. I yeah, like Rebels. Absolutely. Like, like I said, it, it like a lot of the stuff we've been talking about, it gets better as it goes. There's some some doldrums in the beginning. It gets it reaches high, high heights by the end. And I think, cool. I think the wonderful, wonderful Star Wars. Yeah, and I like that they're different. Like, even though they're clearly from the same creative minds, uh, yeah, Rebels they're very is a family show. Like, it is a mm-hmm. show about a makeshift family coming together, which is one of mm-hmm. my favorite types of stories in general. So, like, yeah. I think up until these last couple... Uh, arcs and seasons of clone wars rebels was closer to my feelings in terms of like i got very emotionally attached to those characters very quickly because you're not hopping around different arcs you're staying Mm -hmm. with them the whole time before i watched clone wars because i just didn't know how how much crossover there was so i wish i'd done it the opposite way but it makes all the weird characters and everything enhanced Mm -hmm. oh and and one more there is long long been rumors of a Rebels sequel that I think will get announced sometime this year, like an animated Disney Plus Rebels sequel. Uh, the ending of Rebels sets up a story I want to see told so badly. It's, it's just yeah. a wonderful mm. setup yep. for a future adventure, and I, I love it so much. I really hope they make another animated sequel. Dave Filoni's got a lot on his plate, but I'm sure it's kind of in the works somewhere. Real quick, because I really do got to go, but let me, <laughs> let me ask you. So you don't think that Ahsoka's inclusion in Mandalorian season two will be their way to do the it might sequel be. to Rebels. Yeah, it, okay, it very okay. well might be. Because it okay. is, the thing is about Ahsoka. Yeah, it might right, be. Right. That, that's where that, that question cool. is going to be. We'll see. Okay. There are other questions in Rebels um, that need answers as well. So, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. you know. Cool. <laughs> yep. Interesting. Great. Uh, should we no. all plug our stuff is that like what, how this should go i don't even know i feel like this has just been a good conversation with friends and <laughs> i don't need to, i don't need to i'll, I'll yeah. edit this yeah. we ran down the beginning um you know we'll throw links to people's stuff in the show notes i think that's good enough cool yeah there's one this has been a delight and a pleasure and thank you guys yeah. all three of you for recommending this show to us. I know. And finally getting us to watch it. It's a personal victory for me that you finally watched it again. Yeah, because <laughs> not only did I watch a Star Wars thing you wanted me to watch, it's watch also TV. TV. It's like a double fucking whammy for you. I know. Yeah. And I'm so uh, glad that you guys caught up and were able to watch this final arc so that I we know. can have this conversation at the very least yes. because following your guys' journey through Clone Wars has been like an absolute joy in this dark hellscape that is the world <laughs> right now. It's really been a delight. <laughs> Even before you. I got more Clone Wars, like have it, like talking to you guys as you were going through it was like so much fun. So yeah, it's uh, all I want to talk about now. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one more thing. Favorite favorite Star Wars. Ryan, Ryan, and Garrett, play the Jedi Fallen Order update. You can do crazy shit now. You can fight like five different Cal Kestises as yourself. It's really fun. That is super cool. Did I see that you can actually do the Ahsoka double lightsaber thing now? You don't have to have yeah, a double blade. You just yeah, you can use it like like uh, without having to do like a special move, and so you can create crazy combat scenarios where it's like you versus a hundred slugs from Kashi. Can't recommend <laughs> it. Cool. Very fun. Awesome. I'll check it out. Well, thanks guys. Uh, thanks yeah. for listening. If yeah. you're listening to this, you can find us many many places online, and uh, you know, eventually we'll probably talk about Star Wars again. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Probably. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>